I always say that where there's a USP, there is IP. I say it over and over again. Welcome to the Step Change Podcast from me, Mike Foster, the Entrepreneur's Mentor. My podcast is established to help you with your thoughts in the development of your own business. And in this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Vicky Strachan of Strachan IP to share her experience, expertise and knowledge uh, to help you in the areas of intellectual property and the thoughts, how that relates to your business. So welcome, Vicky. Oh, hi, Mike. Thanks for, for joining me today for, for this episode. Please kick off. Tell us a little bit more about yourself and Strachan IP. Yep, I'm Vicky Strachan of Strachan IP, and we are a specialist IP firm. We help innovative businesses uh, identify, capture, preserve, and protect the valuable IP that they create. And my saying is, you know, where there's a USP, there's IP, and that's what we help with. Fantastic. And I guess the best place to sort of kick off for, for the listeners is to kick off with that exploration of the different types of intellectual property. I know there's, you know, trademarks there's patents there's registered designs you know how how do you consider which is appropriate what's the differences well patents te- uh, patents protect technical innovation so where you have um, a product or a process where there's where, where there's one unique feature that gives you a technical advantage um, that's where patents are, are relevant registered designs they pre- they protect the aesthetic qualities of a product so um, if you've gone to quite a lot of effort to into what your product looks like, then registered designs are appropriate. And trademarks protect logos and brand names. Mm. Yeah, I think it's for me, it's always sort of like trademarks seem to be the sort of common one that most businesses relate to and then sort of forget about um, their real intellectual property, as I call it. And we talked to, you were a, kindly a guest on our, um, our radio show recently, and we spoke about UK businesses don't seem to be as good as other um, businesses in the world or in Europe about protecting their IP. Why do you think that's the case? Um, I don't think uh, IP is as widely known or recognised in the UK um, as it is uh, perhaps elsewhere. I think maybe we're a little bit behind in um, promoting it and advertising it and training and education uh, uh so that businesses know that there are all these different provisions and rights to protect their innovation, whatever that innovation looks like, the reason that customers come to them um, and not their competitors. That's what IP is there to protect. But I just don't think that the the knowledge and, and education is is has quite kept up mm. in the UK. Mm. Yeah, and get the government threw some funding behind that awareness campaign, didn't they, fairly recently, a couple of years ago? They did, and and as surprisingly still uh, uh, very little known uh, about IP, because unless you start looking for it online, you know you need to look for it. It's not, um, at, at, it's not front and centre um, if you're just looking at business advice generally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I was reading your website and you said, you know, think about your IP, protecting your IP to avoid the nasty surprises. So what sort of things have you seen then in terms of people not protecting their IP and those nasty surprises? As a a newly founded uh, small business, I know how busy business owners can get and how, um, how much focus they put on 
their USP, what's going to make them attractive to customers. And they're very keen to get out there because it's it's so important to start a revenue stream as quickly as possible. Um, and the difficulty with that is that, that pushing it out there really quickly without thinking about intellectual property is that it, it becomes very easy to copy, especially now with with the internet and 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 nothing being territorial anymore um and by the time it's out there it it may be too late to protect the the intellectual property and and uh, so the next thing they know uh, exact copies are, are coming in 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 box loads from overseas and there's nothing that they can do to to stop that mm-hmm. It's interesting you say about the territorial. So, um, I guess you know when you take out a, a trademark, it's, it's very regionalised, isn't it? And I guess with as you say, more more businesses working online, do you, the businesses now have to think about having worldwide protection. Yes, well, not worldwide is is unrealistic. There are so many countries in the world, and protecting your IP in all of those countries is prohibitively expensive and pointless. It, for every country you need to weigh up the cost versus the benefit. So it either needs to be one of your markets where you're making money um, or and, and or consider uh, the, the country that you're manufacturing in because that may be the, most, the easiest place for it to be copied. If your main markets are the US and Europe um, and somebody copies it in... Argentina and sells it in Argentina, that might be irritating, but that's not going to eat into your main revenue stream. Um, so it, it, the, the, people need to be strategic because I think I think a disproportionate amount of money can be spent on um, worldwide IP if people are not aware of the things that they need to think about. Mm, great. And that, that, that leads me quite nicely, actually, you just mentioned strategically um and i know you often talk when we speak about an ip strategy and i know it's you know some people think it's just as simple as i've got some ip i get that protected but tell us a little bit more about how businesses think more strategically about their ip well we can go back to cost and we can also go back to all the different provisions that are available so so patents trademarks and registered designs are the registrable type of intellectual property but there are of course lots of other unregisterable um, piece, uh, types of intellectual property. Um, copyright is probably the one that's that's best known, but there's things like um, unregistered design rights and um, things like know-how and trade secrets are also lumped in there because they're not strictly IP, but they, they work in the same way. Um, and of course, unregistered IP, whilst it is sometimes considered weaker, um, than registered IP, it doesn't cost anything. So, or at least it doesn't cost anything to register. So you can consider for each of your your territories um, what type of intellectual property would be most appropriate in terms, again, in terms of a cost-benefit analysis. Um, so I hate, one of my pet hates is the transactional um, relationship between customer and um, IP attorney uh, in the sense that that they arrive, they want a patent, they're handed a patent and they walk away, where patent protection may or may not be the, the ideal choice for any particular country. 
um, and other types of IP haven't been considered. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think one of the things that always jumps out at me is the amount of businesses that you see that have got some intellectual property and they haven't considered um, protecting it. I know, you know, you offer training packages around those sort of things as well. How would a business know that they've actually got some intellectual property that they can protect? I always say that where there's a USP, there is IP. I say it over and over again. If if your business has something that will make your customers come to you and not your competitors, then there is some form of there is usually some form of intellectual property there. And the key is to pinpoint and capture exactly what that is, and then identify the best IP provisions to protect it. It may be know-how and trade secrets, and that's fine. You don't need to register those, but you still need um, a, a, a policy and a strategy in place within the business to stop those things walking out of the door with an, a, a disgruntled ex-employee, for example, um, and ensuring that that only that, that that information is only divulged to people on a need-to-know basis as your business grows. So. Um, it, Thinking about IP strategically, if you have something that makes your business sets your business apart from your competitors, then you need to be thinking about how to stop people copying that. And I sense people may come to you and say they think they want a patent or a trademark, and you go, "Yeah, you do, but what about all this? Is is that sort of commonplace?" Uh, absolutely, and and sometimes people will come and say they want a patent. Um, and it turns out that the 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 key part of that technology uh, is is they are able to keep that as a trade secret. Um, web platforms are an absolute where where the hosting is done by the business itself, so they have control over that software. They can keep the key elements as a trade secret, whereas a patent requires complete disclosure of that trade secret. So it might turn out that a trade secret is more appro- trade secret protection is more appropriate than patent protection. Oh, fantastic! I hope the listeners are making some some notes here because uh, even for myself, and I think I've got a bit of knowledge around businesses, is learning a fair bit here around this intellectual property and protection. And you know, we met um, within the science and tech sector when I was working in that sector. I know you've got a, a fantastic reputation in that sector, and I guess. That's a sector that has a lot of intellectual property um, to consider. Is there, is there other sort of sectors that you you work within as well that uh, have a sort of similar need for considering their IP more than others? Um, you're right, the science and tech sector uh, is obviously full of intellectual property, sort of what you might think of as traditional intellectual property, in novel technical features and things like that. Um, and I love to work within that sector, but um, there are lots of other sectors. The 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 uh, computer, the, the software developers, and uh, and um, computer implemented type inventions. Uh, I specialize in those. It's a very specialist area of the law, um, and a lot of people think well, computer implemented inventions are not patentable. That's not true. But there are other ways of protecting them as well, and. Sometimes that's um, overlooked. Mm. And, you know, I wouldn't say I watch every episode of Dragon's Den, but uh, when you see uh, someone pitching on Dragon's Den, you quite often get the question, often from Deborah Meadham, 
have you protected your IP? Have you got your IP documents with you? How important is that for a business when an investor is looking at uh, investing that they have properly considered their IP protection? It's the first question an investor will almost always ask is how, how if I invest in this business, how are you going to stop others from, from doing what sets it apart from, from your competitors? Um, and it, it, that exploration needs to be done very early in the process. It, it might mean a, a, a short initial consultation with an IP attorney such as myself. We usually do that um, free of charge just to see what you're aiming for and what types of IP you might need to be thinking about at the investor stage. Um, Deborah Meaden always always creates a bit of havoc on on um, on Twitter when she talks about patents because they're not the only t- type of intellectual property protection and they're not always appropriate. And by the time they've ended up on Dragon's Den, it's too late anyway. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that their that their uh, USP can't be protected. Perhaps using the uh, weaker uh, intellectual property provisions, provided the 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 policy and strategy within the business is right for that. And you've recently left a corporate business, as you said, to set up um, your own way and be the control of your own destiny, etc. I know from our conversation before coming on air that uh, you're enjoying that. What, what do you think you're able to bring to the table now as uh, you know your own independent business compared to being in that sort of corporate world then? I, I, my my passion is to be able to do what's right for the client at that time. So if a, if somebody comes to me a little bit too soon in the process, um, I like to be able to say, you know, this is this is what we're heading for, and this is what you need to be thinking about. But you know, I don't need to bill you right now for this. Come back to me in six months or. I'm not the right person right now. I'm able to refer you to somebody who is in the hope that they will come back to me when the time is right. So uh, it's just, it's about doing business my way and having the the luxury to be able to work the way that I like to work with clients, which is a little, is which I, I, somebody called it immersive or somebody else used the term immersive. I like to be involved early on, but without people being too afraid that, you know, massive bills are going to land on their doorstep. It's a feeling, it's a feeling that they've got you on their shoulder if they need you as, yeah. part, as part of the team and seeing seeing their product or service develop and evolve so that you can see the things that they need to be protecting uh, at any one time, I guess. Yeah, I get as much pleasure out of that as as, uh, as issuing invoices. <laughs> and, um, you know, we, we've talked about the different types of IP. Is, is there... You know, if we was to say a waiting, would there be a particular waiting of where you get most of your inquiries? You know, do people tend to think, okay, it's a patent I need or a trademark? It does tend to be patents at, at, for, for now. I mean, I'm a qualified patent attorney um, and people see that on LinkedIn and, and they come to me with patent inquiries. But increasingly now people are recognizing uh, my expertise in the other the other areas of, of, of intellectual property um, so it's, it's starting to even out a little bit now. Brilliant. Well, thank you, Vicky. Thank you for, for joining me for, for this episode. I know that you're someone that people need to talk to about IP. Um, and I know you also offer a, an audit of their potential, um, or existing IP portfolio. So if somebody wants to make contact with you, find out a little bit more, how would they find out? Um, the, the, 
The first port of call should be my website, which is um, strachanip.co.uk. Um, my contact details are all there. My email address is vicky.strachan at strachanip.co.uk. Brilliant. And I know you're very active on LinkedIn, uh, promoting that new brand of yours. So uh, I encourage people to hook up with you on LinkedIn as well. Fantastic. Well, thanks again for joining me um, today. Thanks, Mike. So thank you for listening to my latest Step Change podcast. As always, I hope you found the content interesting, thought-provoking and useful in the development of your business. Really grateful to my guests that join me and especially Vicky for joining me today to share her expertise, knowledge and experience around the whole world of intellectual property. And I've certainly learned some new things myself today. So um, please, as a listener, please subscribe to my podcast. And when I release my next episode, you'll be one of the first to know.